taking of the sword of Christian theology and the shield of apologetics while taking truth into the arena of ideas. You are listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. Now join your hosts, Brian Chilton and Curtis Evelo, as we enter into the arena of ideas. We'll start off with a passage of scripture this, uh, this today. We know all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. For those He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, so that He would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. That's Romans eight twenty-eight and 29, and such is the Word of God. Taking up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of Christian apologetics while taking the truth into the arena of ideas. This is the Bellator Christie Podcast. My name is Curtis Nevelo and I'm joined by Brian Chilton as we answer your most pressing apologetic and theological questions of the day. Well, hello everyone. Welcome aboard. Uh, get your notepad and pens out here today and prepare. This is uh, number six of our podcast series and uh, it's going to be a long one. So, i uh, got a question for you all. Do you believe... Jesus fulfilled prophecy. Well, on page 163 on the Layman's Manual, Manual of Christian Apologetics, Brian writes, "Could it be that Jesus simply fulfilled the prophecies concerning the Messiah by happenstance? Could could he not have merely made things come about by the naturalistic means? Considering the odds of the prophecies being fulfilled, any natural explanation begins to substantially lose." Consider this, the odds of fulfilling just eight of the prophecies written about the Messiah is the same as filling the state of Texas with dimes, marking only one of the dimes with a black mark, and then blindfolding the individual with an explanation that the person would find the one marked, or the expectation that the one would find the marked dime in Texas while remaining blindfolded. That is an impossibility. But it gets even worse for when we consider the odds of Jesus fulfilling 48 prophecies. The odds of one person fulfilling 48 messianic prophecies is 1 in 10 to the 157th power. That's a lot. <laughs> Mathematicians say that it is impossible to explain anything past 50 zeros. But that, by chance alone, the number presented has 52 zeros in case you hadn't counted. But it, So we want to say welcome to the man that filled that page with the wonder and the awe of Christ's fulfillment of some of these prophecies. Let's welcome Brian Chilton. Thanks, brother. I tell you what, I'm still amazed by that. And we don't place the emphasis on prophecy, messianic prophecies, as we once did, it doesn't seem like, in modern right. apologetics. But there's a lot of power when we stop to think that, uh, man, Christ fulfilled, well, he fulfilled even more than 48 prophecies. I mean, the, yes. the numbers vary, but but yeah. uh, it's just absolutely remarkable to consider the power behind that. Right, right. And just just think, um, there were times where Jesus says, that's me. Mm-hmm. He cries out on the cross, and he's pointing and saying, hey, this is me. I, I, I'm the one fulfilling this. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a wonder and an awe. And it just every time uh, our our pastor would would get and talk about uh, prophecies and and how 
Jesus fulfilled them, I would just sit back and just, I, I couldn't say anything. It was just like, are you kidding me? <laughs> as, it is, as you start putting it together, you start, he starts putting it together and you start re- hear, you know, listening to the scriptures or hearing the scriptures and you're like, what? what? <laughs> uh, pretty powerful stuff. But I mean, think about it. Some of the prophecies that were said of him were thousands of years before he was on the earth and there were some that were very, very, very specific, like where he was going to be born. Now, I don't know about you, but I didn't choose where I was born, you know. And so for him to be fulfilled, what was that prophecy, 700 years before he was on the earth? Something like that. Uh, and all of a sudden, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty powerful stuff. So anyway, it's podcast number six. Uh, so we're going to get into omnitemporality so i guess we should ask brian what is omnitemporality actually before we do i i, I got a couple announcements and then i'll go back to oh, that yeah. question um yeah just one one real brief question uh, one real br- brief announcement and then another one is a little bit longer uh the first one is uh just to let you know there is a no- new social media network out there called mewe m-e-w-e and uh, just to let you know, this uh, if if you're using the MeWe social network, uh, we have just added the ability to share to uh, that account. So there's another social networking account available to you if you want to share uh, the information on that social network. Secondly, just to let everyone know, uh, I announced this past Sunday my resignation from the uh, church where I had been serving at Westfield Baptist Church. And I've uh, been there for a few years, and but uh, God opened the door for another uh, type of ministry in the chaplaincy work. And so uh, be much in prayer for me as I enter this new endeavor. But this is actually going to uh, bring a large benefit to the online ministries at Bellator Christi. Uh, we are focused on theology and apologetics, but... Curtis, you and I have mentioned this several times, talking about the biblical illiteracy in our land. I want to start, we, we want to start uh, getting in the Word even more. And so expect on uh, the, the Bellator Christie Network, with that being on the YouTube accounts, on the podcasts, we're, we're going to try to work to see to get some exciting new ways of interacting with the Word of God and theology and apologetics as well. Uh, but be expecting some of the Bible studies that I've been preaching to come to the podcast, to come to the YouTube account, several different means uh, so that you, if you would like to get a little deeper in the Word, these, these Bible studies will be ways that you can interact with the Word. We're going to go through it line by line and offer some explanation to it there as well. So there's going to be some exciting new things coming to Bellator Christi in the in the weeks and months ahead, and I'm just really excited about what God may be doing with this. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, it's definitely moving along at a at a faster pace than I was expecting it to. Same um, here. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna ride it out, um, and uh, we're gonna keep praying that God's gonna open doors and open hearts and open. The, ears and eyes and minds for people to uh, take part in it. And what's going to be really neat is uh, we'll be able to, uh, you know, follow along. So those that uh, those that will be um, doing it or those that want to go back and do it, we'll be able to have those resources available for them. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And there's some exciting things. I mean, like with some PowerPoints that I've made, uh, I, I just discovered today that I'm going to be able to share some of those files now on the website and uh, in, in exciting new fashion. So there's going to be some exciting new resources coming available uh, very, very soon. And uh, again, I'm just excited to see how this thing develops. Yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a fun ride. <laughs> Now, going back to your question, omnitemporality, let, let me just first say, folks, this may be a podcast that you want to go back and listen to again, because the content we're engaging is probably some of the most difficult of theological material to handle, and I believe, really, a lot of our confusion pertaining to several different aspects of theology comes down to how does a an eternal God interact in temporal time so let me just give a word you're going to be hearing a lot tonight is the word temporal temporal means to be within time as we understand it okay the temporal time the space and time like and there's even questions about how do we even define time uh and Believe it or not, that gets to be in, in an interesting you know, conversation about how do we define time, the progression of events uh, over time. I, rem- I, remember, I remember you kind of going on about this. We were kind of discussing this, and you were like, man, this is blowing my mind. Check this out. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, we could go down a big rabbit hole with this one. I mean, we could. I mean, e- even something as simple, I mean, because we, we think about the passing of time, you know, in minutes and seconds and hours. But according to some of Einstein's uh, theories, and, and some of this stuff has been shown to be true, uh, that time in the universe may be different depending on the speed which you're traveling, depending on the area you are in the universe. I mean, it's even possible that you could be up in space, time would have progressed, but you may not have aged as much as people on Earth. Uh, I mean, this gets into some weird stuff. But when we talk about atemporality, we're talking about being outside the scope of time. But there's more questions that come with that. What does that mean? Is it a static type of time? Or is there a progression of events that still happen, like a sequence of events as would still happen here? So again, if, if you get overwhelmed with this podcast, take comfort in knowing that, that this is some overwhelming material. And I don't know that on some of this stuff that we're going to be able to even give clear, concise answers to some of right. these questions because, uh, you know, I gave a paper at, at a local ETS, and I think that by the time we discussed it with with some even some guys who were heads of the theology departments, uh, we came up with some answers, but there were still some some aspects of this conversation that we still were all just mind-boggled in the end. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and and really to, to know there have been a lot of smart folks uh, that have pondered and pondered and pondered these things and come up with these uh, theories that we hear today. So Yeah, and, and very different answers in yeah, some of these areas. Right. And so we're standing on the shoulders of some some uh, smart men, but uh, we still can't quite reach the light bulb, so. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, if again, if you get overwhelmed, you may want to go back and re-listen to this podcast. This this is one that's going to be among some of the heaviest material that we've probably ever covered. So 
when we talk about omnitemporality, with the understanding of temporality meaning in time, omnitemporality indicates God's eternal nature in that God exists at all points of time and beyond. So, um, some people would even argue that, uh, Alan Paget argues this, that time as we know it emanates from God. He, he would say that God is the Lord of time. Uh, so God exists prior to creation for all eternity and past creation for all eternity. So God is essentially timeless, meaning that he's beyond the scope of the present space and time. He exists in this eternal time. But the big question is, what is that eternal time? And how does God interact with us in this time? So, um, heavy stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and it's... Uh... <laughs> It's, it's hard for us um, who are a finite being um, to even grasp the concept of time outside of seconds, minutes, and hours. Exactly. So, so. number two, well, there's a second question here. Can we describe omnitemporality by geometry? Yes. I've never heard this before. This this is kind of an interesting. I, I taught uh, well. It wasn't a full teacher. I was a teaching assistant at a uh, public school, and actually, one of the the lessons I helped teach was in an area in geometry. And if you think about geometry, you have three um, figures. You have a line. What you know, a line is is an eternal thing. It has no beginning. It has no end. It's represented by a line with two arrows on either side, uh, right. indicating that it's eternal. Well, a segment, so, so if, if we think about God in aspects of geometry, we would think about his time being like that of a line. No beginning, no end, continuous, going in both directions. A segment, of, a segment is a line with two dots on the end of it. And this represents a segment of time. Uh, for instance, most of history uh, most of what we know is like a segment of time. Uh, it, it's the definitive start point. There's a definitive end point and the segment of existence in between. So, for instance, um, like our show, our podcast today, however you're listening to the podcast, this would be like a segment. It starts off with Crosby Lane, an introduction to the podcast, and then it goes all the way through to the end, the closing credits or the closing with the with the Rocky theme on there or the Creed theme on there, and a few ads, and then that's the end of the podcast. So there's a segment. There's a beginning, definitive beginning, definitive end, and then a line in between. Well, a ray is, is a line that has a period on one side and then an arrow on the, on the other. It has a definitive start point, but it goes on for eternity. If we really think about it, the human life is like the ray. So when we talk about us being eternal beings, we would be more like the ray because we had a definitive start point, but we know with the soul existing forever that we go on for eternity in eternity future. God is the only being that exists that has no beginning, that has no end, who exists for eternity. He's the only one who could be that, like that line. Um, segments that would be like, uh, you know, our time at a job, or like the podcast. A ray has a start point, but goes on for e eternity. So that's part of the problem. 
it's very difficult to even understand eternity. Um, when I taught a class on apologetics, uh, the class from which the, the layman's manual on Christian apologetics came, one gentleman told me, he says, of all things I struggle with the most, it's trying to understand God and eternity. It just it baffles my mind. And I told him, I said, well, brother, if it makes you feel any better, it baffles the mind of most theologians, quite frankly. It's difficult for us to, to really contemplate what eternity is because it is so beyond the scope of the way we operate from day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I've never, I never heard of it, uh, um, like what you're saying with the geometry, but it makes sense. Once you started saying that, that, that totally... Uh, uh, connects because it, it's you know we understand that a line has no beginning and end but but there you know you have rays and you have uh, start and stop points you know so absolutely so what biblical evidence do we have for God's omnitemporality and if you like we can kind of just kind of go back and forth one of them we're going to have to spend a little time on because there is a uh, there's a bit of Greek the Greek brings out something in the text that is really powerful. So let me start off. I'll read uh, Genesis 21:33, and this says, Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba, and there he called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. The, the phrase, I didn't catch the Hebrew there, but uh, the, the phrase everlasting God is talking about God who is beyond the scope of space and time, who has no beginning, who has no end. Right now, that was that was in the CSB, or what? Would you use there? Uh, yeah, the CSB. Wonder what the ESV says. Uh, that's a good question. Let me hold on a second. Let me. The ESV. Bear with me for a minute. Is a ESV says, it says Isaiah 21.33. says, uh, it says the same thing actually. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba and called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Because that, be, that would be a word that we'd want to maybe even do a word study on. Something that might be absolutely. So Isaiah twenty six four, uh, verse four: Trust in the Lord forever, because in the Lord, the Lord Himself is an everlasting rock. Sorry, I was opening up uh, my my uh, Bible software because you got my, my got my curiosity up on that. <laughs> <laughs> Isaiah forty twenty eight. Uh, do you know? Uh, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is an everlasting God, the Creator uh-huh. of the whole earth. He never becomes faint or weary. Uh-huh. Hear the little chimes in the background. That's the logos starting up. Uh, there's no limit to his understanding. I don't think I'll cut that part on there, or is it? Yeah. So there's, yeah, there's his omniscience too. Absolutely. So, uh, Romans sixteen twenty six. Uh, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic scriptures according to the commands of the eternal God to advance the obedience of faith among all Gentiles. 
verse 27, to the only wise God through Jesus Christ, to him be the glory forever. Amen. Okay, Luke uh, 1, 70 says, just as he spoke by the mouth of the holy prophets in ancient times. So this is pointing back to the fact that he spoke in, uh, in, in times past. Uh, he speaks today. There's, you know, people come, people go, but God remains forever. Uh-huh. You were asking about the, um, the name for the everlasting God. It's El Olam. El being God, and then Olam uh, here is uh, translates everlasting, ever perpetual, continual. Uh, so uh, El Olam would be the uh, uh, title. Nice, but I like that because it says in there the everlasting, but then it says perpetual. Mm-hmm. And 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 we all kind of, we can kind of bring to our mind we we kind of understand what perpetual motion is. So that so that's. So that's a steadiness that we see. Yeah. So here, here is from the uh, from the lexicon. Here, here's the here's the definition: a long duration, antiquity, future, futurity. I don't know what that is. Forever, ever, everlasting, evermore, perpetual, old, ancient, uh, uh, continuous existence is. Uh, I, I like that continuous existence. Uh, that that is the word olam. Acts 3, 21, verse 21, heaven must receive him until the time of restoration of all things, which God spoke about through his holy prophets from the beginning. All right, now we come to um, a very interesting passage of scripture. Uh, this is John 13, 31 through 38, and really 31 through uh, 33 is really the area of focus uh, and, and to save time, I'll just focus on these three verses. So what we have here uh, is Jesus is... Well, let me just read the entire thing, and I'll go back. When he had left, Jesus says, Now the Son is glor- of man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, okay, God will also glorify him in himself, and will glorify him at once. Now that's the verse we're going to come back to. Little children, I am with you a little while longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so now I tell you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new command, love one another, just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this will everyone know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Lord Simon Peter said to him, Where are you going? Jesus answered, Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me later. Lord, Peter asked, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus replied, will you lay down your life for me? Uh, truly, I tell you, a rooster will not crow until you've denied me three times. Now, here's the interesting thing. In Greek, the verbs are very deep, very deep. Uh, you, you have some verbs that may talk about an action that's happened in the past and completed in the past. You have some verbs that may talk about an action began, began in the past, continues now to be completed at a later date. Sometimes they may talk about things happening now that will be completed later on or some things that will be started in the future, ending in the future. So there's just a wide variety to the verbs. It's really, really deep. There's something odd that happens in verses 31 through 33. So Jesus says, Now noon... Ho huios uh, ha anthropos. Now the Son of Man, 
Dozaxo or or Edozaxi. Okay, here's one is glorified, and the word is a verb. Is a um um. Let's see here. Let me let me find it here. Uh, So verb an aorist passive indicative third person singular. Okay. So an aorist generally speaks to something that's happened in the past. So he is glorified, and Kai Hathaosk and the God uh, is glorified. Dodazo again, or Dozazo. I probably massacred that. Here again is an aorist speaking of the past. So he is glorified in the past. Is glorified in the past in him. If God is glorified. Okay, here again is another aorist in him. God will also glorify him in the future in himself and will glorify future him at once. So he's talking about something that's happened in the past three times and about how God is glorified by this thing in the future That's where he's been glorified in the past. Wild! This has has baffled commentators. I didn't actually didn't realize this till today. I was studying this. So the problem is due to the strand of 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 the three or four aorist verbs followed by the two future verbs. What Jesus seems to be saying is that God has already been glorified in the past by something that is certainly to happen in the future. And and he seems to talk about this. He seems to do this. Again, I didn't know this until today. He seems to do this when he's talking about things like the crucifixion and things like the resurrection. So it's as if God has already been glorified by something that has not happened yet but is certain to happen in the future. So when we talk about God being beyond the scope of time, this is an example of this. God was glorified uh, by something that would happen, is glorified when it happened, and has been glorified since it happened. But God, it's like God knew this was going to happen and, and the glory was already there, was coming, and will be by ev- this event, which was certain to happen. Uh. It's, and that just baffles my mind, even still trying to, 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 to compress this together. It's it's really wild stuff. Well, I'm glad you're trying to say it because <laughs> talking through it's just like wow. And <laughs> and still, I mean, like I said, this this is just something I never knew. This I've studied John before, but I never this this never came out until I was doing a little study on it this this uh, just this afternoon, and. Um, there again, I don't know that I still completely understand it, and I know I probably mastered the pronunciation of some of those words, but just amazing to consider that God was glorified by something that was going to happen in the future. It's just baffling. Right. And, and let me just add this. It, it shows the level of intelligence that John wrote at. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it really shows the level that he wa- that he was writing. So, and I believe, uh, I believe he accurately, you know, presented what Jesus said, and and there was some there were some deeper meanings, and that's the amazing thing about the original languages. It's like what Dr. Kevin King at Liberty said when you when you read an English translation, and, and let me just say I am no master at these languages. 
But he said if you read the text in the biblical, I mean in the English, it's like reading the scripture by watching a, a, an old black and white analog television. But when you start getting into the original languages and doing word studies, it's like you start watching the scripture in a high-def resolution, full-color television set. It brings things out that's just absolutely amazing to consider. Right. Yeah. And so here's what here's how my pastor um, really was kind of said that similar thing. Um, what he said is um, when when we come to the scriptures and we're and we're reading about this and we're reading about the the level of what what God's trying to get across to us is he's he himself my pastor is we're already at the ocean shore mm-hmm. we're we're already there reading the scriptures and taking that all all he's doing is giving us the goggles that we can stick our head into the water and see the color and the beauty and everything else that's going on underneath. I like that. That's very true. Well, and there's so many things in the scriptures that we take for granted. I mean, after the podcast last week, we had a conversation about uh, the whole aspect of, uh, of of Jesus not knowing the hour, but talking about there are still reasons to know the seasons, yeah. to, to be looking for things. Uh, you're not going to know the exact time. You're not going to know the exact day, but you can know the season which the Son of Man is going to come because he's given examples like such as the day of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. There are certain seasons to look for. And, um, I mean, before, just casually studying, looking through that, you know, those are not things that you easily catch. Right. Uh, there's just a level of depth to the Scriptures that's just mind-boggling. Yeah. goes to the whole, um, we know that it has one divine author. Absolutely. But- but many human authors. Absolutely. So number four, what are the major viewpoints regarding divine omnitemporality? So I'm basing this off of the book. There's a book I would recommend if you're interested in this in this conversation. I mean, if you're not, then don't worry about it. But if you're interested in this conversation, there's a book called God and Time, Four Views. Um, there are four theologians who offer four perspectives on the issue of God and time. Uh, and, and again, the biggest issue is what do we call eternal time? So there are four guys, Paul Helm, Alan Paget, William Lane Craig, and Nicholas Volderstorff. By the way, Nicholas Volderstorff wrote a book called uh, Divine Discourse that I highly recommend. It's deep and it's dense, but it is well worth your time to read through that. Uh, he talks about uh, how God communicates with us and this, this is actually more towards the end of the book, but how God mentally communicates with us uh, through through the Spirit. Um, really fascinating stuff. And, and uh, that may be a, a, another good podcast to do later on. I, I don't know. That's, that's really good material. But anyhow, Paul Helm uh, gives the first viewpoint called Timeless Eternity. And Helm says that God exists atemporally in a form of a B-theory of the universe, uh, or B theory of time, and this is kind of like a static time, where there's not really a sequence of events, but time is everything relates to one another, um, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. In a little bit, but God can see all points of time equally, and is not required to operate in the same form of sequence that we we're accustomed 
too. Uh, the trouble with that is that it seems like God does operate in a, in a systematic, sequential way. Uh, so every one of these are going to have problems with it. Every one of these viewpoints are going to have problems. Alan Paget offers another view that he calls relative timelessness. He claims that God exists timelessly, but he operates in a sequence of events. Uh, the, the line of God's timelessness is eternal or relative to, um, it, 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 is, it is beyond the scope of our, our time. Uh, so Paget holds that God is the Lord of time and that time emanates from God's being. William Lane Craig offers a hybrid view, which he calls timelessness and, and omnitemporality. In this view, God remains atemporal before creation and temporal after creation. The biggest question, and I love William Lane Craig, I love his work, but the biggest question I have in this regard is, does, is there's not still some aspect of God that remains atemporal even after creation? Uh, right. And then Nicholas Voldersdorf, even though he wrote a great book, I really didn't like his viewpoint here uh, in this book. He called... Uh, he wrote a good book in, in Divine Discourse, but this this one, I wasn't really with his viewpoint here. He, he calls this the unqualified divine tempor, tempora, temporality, I'll get it out in a minute, which he says that God has always existed in time since the very beginning. And so um, I'm just going to shoot straight with you, Curtis. I didn't really like either any of the four. Um, I... I th the, the Eleanor Stump, she wrote a, uh, she came up with a theory with the late Norman Kreitzman, which they called the E.T. Simultaneity, simultane, sim, <laughs> I can't get it out, Simultaneity, E.T. stands for eter, Eternal Temporal, in this view God exists both eternally and temporally, sure. um, so I kind of find myself liking this, because I think if we think of God being a trinity, then we could say that God the Father exists atemporally. Then we could say the Spirit is 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 in space time, uh, existing atemporally, but also temporally as He's with us, relating to us, and that the Son was atemporal, came in creation uh, temporally, and then maybe goes back to some type of atemporal status. I don't know. Uh, but with God being a triune nature, uh, three and one, I could see where God could could continuously remain outside of time and inside of time, all at the same time. Mm. Yeah, I kind of thought of one when you were reading uh, Bill Craig's um, hybrid offer um, that he's got there. I got to thinking about it. It's like, well, then who's running the who's running the who's running the ship? That's a good point, and that's a question I had, you know, uh, that I brought up at the ETS conference. It, it seems like it, like Volterstorff and Craig, almost if you take that to to extremes, that it almost seems like it that God is restricted by the flow of time. Now, I, I have a good friend of mine who who had Bill Craig in a uh, class, and he said that Bill Craig still holds to some type of a you know, some type of transcendent nature. But if if he could further explain that, I think that I might be a little more comfortable with it if if he held to some type of atemporal continuity to the Father. But um, 
as it stands in, in some of his writings, at least in this one, and he wrote another book on this issue, uh, it, it really seems to it really seems to be that he holds that God is is temporal after creation. Um, but like you said, who's running the ship if that's the case? Yeah, yeah. So I, there's not much I disagree with with Bill Craig on, but. <laughs> I guess that would be one of them if I had to. And that's you know I find myself and I find myself in a very uncomfortable position there because I'm with you. There's very little. I mean, there are a few things I disagree with Bill Craig, but that's not a lot. But that's one area where I would find disagreement. And you know what's what's great about this is we can kind of we can disagree, but we still are in Christendom. Absolutely, we are still. We are still within orthodoxy, and this is something that we can poke at and let him, because he's such a great thinker. If we poke at it enough, maybe he'll he'll think about it a little more and come up with something totally uh, totally fulfilling what we're talking about. And you know, and, and he is absolutely right in talking about the the problems with the other viewpoints, and yeah. and th- this is this is why I think that any viewpoint we hold. I think we need to maintain a good dose of humility and a lot, a ton of charity with one another. Uh, yeah. The only thing that I would caution, and this is what I brought up at the ETS conference, and this was my biggest concern, is I would caution any of us to get to a point where we, where we place God under time itself, uh, because once we do that, the biggest problem I have. Is if we if we place God in the scope of being controlled by time, we're making whatever that thing is we've placed over God. We've made that into God, and so right. we've got to be really careful when when we do anything like that. Right, and that would yeah that would that would be um, that would take away uh, the omniscience. That would take uh, you know uh, just all of those. Yeah, and, so, and that's why I like what Dr. Baggett calls the Anselmian God. It, God is the greatest of all possible beings. And uh, so if you if you start restricting God, and people some people call this the classical theist view of God, if you start restricting God in these areas, now there are some areas that we've discussed already on the podcast where God is restrained by his own moral nature, but that's not God being restrained by something else. It's God being restrained by God by his own attributes, uh, there's a difference there. Um, But if we start having physical entities over God, then we can reduce God to a form of... uh, We can can actually, if you push it too far, be guilty of of, uh, causing God to to fit within a worldview of finite Godism, where where, uh, God is God, but he's under the control of the universe. But in that case... God's not God. The universe has become God. Right, right. And then, then the terminology that the atheists use is: we're all atheists. We're just the Christians. Just haven't got to that final, got rid of that final God yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah. So, uh, can humans change the mind of God if His plans are eternal? So, so here again, and and this this issue is something that has been discussed for millennia. Um, can an atemporal God commune with temporal creatures? 
And, and let me let me first of all say this is the genius of God being a tri, triune God, because by God being a triune God, you can have God the Father being a temporal, the Son and Spirit entering temporality, and all of them still be God. That may you know may be part of the reason why God is as He is in that regard. Um, but here again, God knows with certainty all things that are to come to pass. We've seen this already in the John passage of Scripture we read. He knows the things that are happening, will happening, and, and are happening. He, he exists almost in this state of eternal now where he knows all points of time equally. So as such, uh, God has a certain purpose and a certain direction. So, so his, his will will come to be. But... As we're living in the here and now, um, he may use our petitions that he knows that we're going to petition him with to bring about his will and accomplish his goals in the end. So in a way, we can request, make petitions of God, and God moves and does those things. But as he is an atemporal being working in a temporal world, he knew all those things were going to come about. So it's kind of a yes and no answer. <laughs> That's a that, that's a that's a tough one, um, and, I, and I think I think that was well explained. But I I wouldn't mind even just uh, at some point be able to maybe uh, focus on a few of these and just have uh, have a larger podcast just on a few of these that we can actually kind of maybe even uh, ask people uh, to write in to Bellator Christie with their questions on on those few questions there. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, because this, this is some heavy, as I mentioned at the outset, uh, as, as we said, this is some heavy material, and there's a lot of stuff that we could dissect. And uh, to, say that we're, to say that we're giving an overview of this is, is really an understatement because there's a lot of depth in which we could travel with every single one of these questions. Yeah, you know, it's it's uh we always talk about having a thirty thousand foot view, you know, and then and then getting in and zeroing in. And this is like a six million mile view. So yeah, and, and I think it's I think that's part of the problem because everything we do in life is based on time. We get up at a certain time. I mean, because because you you have a ranch, you get up what four o'clock in the morning, four or five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> You, you have a routine you go through every morning. Uh, there, certain things have to be done at certain times. How do we understand a being that has no time? Yeah. It, it's really mind-boggling. Yeah. Yeah. So number six, uh, how does God interact with time since we're there? So since God is the author of time, he, you know... It, 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 again, it's difficult for us to understand how this even works. Uh, I think one thing that I have seen through this is that the Trinity makes sense. It, it makes yeah. even more sense when we try to understand God being both atemporal and temporal if He is a Trinity. Uh, right. So, so we could have the Father communing with us through the Spirit, and Him still remain atemporal. The Spirit and Son, the Son came, became part of the universe. That's what the Philippians hymn's all about. Uh, mm-hmm. That he left the throne of heaven, he left a temporality to become flesh, becoming temporal. Uh, can you imagine what that must have even been like for God, who knew 
nothing but atemporality coming into temporality. That had to be wild. Um, but we had the Spirit who hovered over the waters, who was who brought things into being. So um, I think the Trinity makes makes the most sense where God could still be atemporal and relate to people in space and time through the Spirit of God. It's kind of like what Norman Geisler had talked about before, even with the plan of salvation, that, that the Father designed it, uh, the, the Son accomplished it, and the Spirit applies it. So God, the Father is the architect, uh, the, the Son is the accomplisher, and the Spirit is the applier. And again, I, I think that's the genius of Christianity. It makes sense in a Christian worldview how right. God could do that. Right. And it, it goes to all of the things we were just talking about, what we've, what all of this podcast series is about. You, you go back and, and focus on uh, God's love. God had to have something to love in the beginning, so in a trinity, there can be a true commune of love within that. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the wisdom, all wise, there can be a trinity of all wise in that within that. So, Very much so. I mean, it, this, I mean you can almost think of it in, in one sense of, of the Father being like the mind, uh, the sun being like the the arm, and maybe the spirit being the the feet or the uh, you know uh, bringing forth, rushing into doing certain things as he does. And um, I had a point I was going with it, and I completely lost it, so it must not have been important. <laughs> Let's move to number seven. What is what is eternal time? There, there again, that's the six million dollar question. Um, I don't think anybody really knows. If if we're honest, we have theories, we have philosophies, we have assumptions, but I don't know that anybody really knows. I think that is the problem. How do we understand a time where there is no time? Um, numerous numerous theories abound as to what uh, as to as to what this eternal time must be. I mean, a theory of time holds that any in all time must be sequential in nature. So, uh, for instance, you do A to bring about B, and B brings about C. Um, you go to the grocery store, you pick up ice cream, you bring it home, and then you eat the ice cream. But you had to go to the store. I mean, it's all in a sequence of events. This is also called tensed. Uh, not like you're stressed, but tensed or, or something that's located in a certain moment. B theory of time holds that time is a, an illusion and that all of time, past, present, and future, is equally real and tenseless, but they, are, they relate to one another in a way that, uh, that is not necessarily sequential. And when we talk about timelessness, it is possible that God, the Father, is in some mode like that. Uh, it, it's really difficult to know with any certainty. It's, uh, you know, I was just kind of reading on uh, Reasonable Faith, uh, the, uh, in timeliness, timelessness and omnitemporality, um, in a, uh, a paragraph here, uh, let's see here, it says, God quite literally exists now, since God never begins to exist 
nor ever ceases to exist, it follows that God is omnitemporal. Yeah. So God is just as real now as he was when we first started this podcast. God will be just as real an hour after the podcast is over as he is right now. He, right. he, he is in that eternal now moment. There's never a time when God is not. Right. So, number eight, if eternal time is B time, can we know that there was a time when time began? So, see, that's part of the problem. Because on the one hand, you can't have, physically speaking, an infinite regress of past events. So something continues on for eternity past. Uh, now, you could find a solution to that in an eternal God. But at the same time, if you have a complete B theory of time... Is there any way to know really when when time would begin? It's it's really baffling. It is absolutely baffling. Um, so so perhaps the creation of the universe brought forth an A theory of time. Perhaps there was a B theory of time before creation, and then when God created the universe, maybe there was a B uh, an A theory of time. But there again, you'd still have to need to have a sequence of events to bring about the the uh, universe. So uh, I think there might be something comparable, in just my opinion, to a B theory of time in, in eternity, uh, in eternal time. But I would still say it would be some type of sequence of events that would still be part of that as kind of something comparable to what Alan Paget would say. But it would would not. It would be comparable to what Paul Helm suggests. So I, there again, I think that as uh, that's why I like the Eleanor Stump's version of this ET time. But it's a little bit of both. Uh, there may be a little bit of a B time. There may be a little bit of an A time uh, in together. Uh, Ultimately, and, I don't know that we're ever going to know the answer till we get into eternity. Right. I was just going to say, and and this this is something that that uh, you, we can hold to different views of this and still remain in within orthodoxy and within within the uh, being a true Christian. Um, this is just this is just how he's functioning uh, in amongst time with us. Something difficult to kind of grasp, but uh, we're going to give it an attempt. <laughs> well, and, and that's just it. It's just us being finite beings trying to figure out how an infinite God works. And one of the things that I hope will come from this podcast, if nothing else, is the realization that God is far more complex than what we ever thought possible. Yeah. Well, and the other, the other thing is, it, it also, we also don't want to just... Um, it, for a lack of better terms, just lay it down and be like, well, it's just God. We actually want to dig in and try to find out what's going on. What that does is it builds our faith. Not only does it build our faith, but it allows us to be able to have these kind of discussions with people that might have real questions towards this. And yeah, we might not be able to figure it all out, but we can at least give them a direction to shoot in and actually, you know, point their toes in the right way and, and help them along the way. Yeah, and, and the thing to remember is that every single one of these theories, every single one of them, have problems. And so, 
as we're working through these different theories, the the what we want to do is we want to see the one that has the least amount of problems and the one that coheres the most with with what the Bible says. Yeah. Um, because we see that God is beyond the scope of time. Um, and we don't want to adopt something that's going to restrict the, the nature and being of God. So it's really, at the end of the day, an educated guess. Now some people will say, well, what does it matter? Well, it matters because if you if you allow God to be controlled by time, then you've made God less than who He really is. Right. Um, so there are a lot of deep theological issues that are related to this, but at the same time, um, I think again, as we mentioned a while ago, this this shows us the level of depth of of God, and hopefully, at the end of the day, will let us understand that we need to be thankful that God's God and we're not. <laughs> This, this does give us an opportunity to strengthen our faith and to actually walk in this um, and understand this maybe a little deeper and a little better. Um, we don't have to be you know at the same scholarly level as uh, William, Lane, William Lane Craig, but um, we can at least uh, when when he, when we hear him discussing this, we actually might have a little bit of uh, knowledge of what he's actually talking about. Yeah, and I would recommend people to go get his book. And 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 as 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 I will fully admit, and it's like I told a guy who was in the class with him, I may misunderstand what he is saying about the continual, eternal, atemporal nature of God. It may be that I have just completely misunderstood that, but it seems to be that's what he's promoting. In if if understood correctly, what he's promoting in the book God and Time for Views. And he also wrote another book on on the same issue, which seems to suggest the same thing. But uh, you know, there again, this does you know, this this isn't a slam against anyone. This is just ob- observing and going through this area. And it could very well be that William Lane Craig is right. The only problem and concern I would have is that we not push that too far to where we are limiting God in right. in in that regard. And no one's running the ship then. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, the last one here before we uh, have to close out here. So what will uh, eternity be like in the afterlife? This is an amazing thing to consider. Um, I imagine it will have a sequence of events, uh, but I don't think the time is going to matter anymore. Um. I, I think that because there would be a time when we entered into heaven and there would be certain times and occasions and seasons that I'm sure that we would do certain things. But the amazing thing about this is that our existence in heaven will be the greatest state of existence that one could ever hope to have. Um, it, it'll be a time where I don't think we're going to be rushed anymore. We're not going to have to meet deadlines I do believe, and, and I'm actually, uh, hopefully this spring, going to resume writing a book on heaven. Um, I, I envision heaven being a very active place uh, with a lot of stuff to do for, for all kinds of people. I think it's going to be a place where, where people will live up to their full potential. Some, some people may not have been able to live up to their full potential on this earth. Maybe they wanted to do certain things and couldn't do it. I think they'll have that opportunity to live out to their full potential in heaven. Um, 
it it's it's it may very well be a sequence of events, but I don't think that it's going to be anything to where uh, someone is going to be rushed or bogged down with time as they are now. Yeah, and that's going to be a glorious time. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> that's that's what we're all heading for. So, well, we at Bellator Christie want to thank you for spending time together with us, and we value that time. Our prayer is that this podcast helps stretch your mind and is a place to strengthen your faith as we strive to create an atmosphere of discussion and is a reliable source of information. Join us next time on the Bellator Christian Podcast. And until next time, Brian and I say, Soldier on, friends. You've been listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by bellatorchristie.com. The opinions of our guests represent their own and may not reflect those of Bellator Christie Ministries or its affiliates. The Bellator Christie Podcast and bellatorchristie.com are protected under Creative Commons copyright, all rights reserved. The opening theme is the song Crucified, written by John and Michaela Limanis, performed by Crosby Lane and produced by Mansion Entertainment. Be sure to visit our YouTube page at www.youtube.com forward slash Bellator Christie. Also, please consider leaving a positive review on the apps where this podcast is found. We thank you for joining us today and hope to see you back the next time that we step into the arena of ideas. Do you have a question about the Bible, theology, or apologetics that you've always wanted to ask but never felt comfortable asking? If so, we want to encourage you to head over to bellatorchristie.com and submit your question on the Submit a Question link. Your question will be reviewed and may be featured on a future article or podcast. Remember, the only dumb question is the one unasked. So go over to bellatorchristie.com now and submit your question. Have you ever wondered about the Christian faith, but have become bogged down by difficult terminology? Are you a Christian and faced doubts and you didn't know where to turn? Maybe your faith has been challenged and you don't know how to respond. Or perhaps you desire to learn more about how to winsomely defend your faith, but you do not have the time nor the finances to enroll in seminary. If any of these situations describes you, then consider purchasing a copy of the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics. This book confronts the challenges facing the Christian faith, but does so in a way that is accessible to everyone. The Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics is available in softcover, hardcover, on the Kindle, and Nook. Consider purchasing a copy of the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics from your favorite bookstore today.